Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to New York. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! What an absolute dominating victory by the New Jersey Devils. What is going on, everybody? It is once again your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place, as always, to get the most up-to-date news topics and everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a great day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. I really do, really, really do appreciate all your guys' support. This episode, like all of them, are sponsored by the great people at DraftKings Sportsbook. When you sign up for DraftKings, make sure to use our promo code THPN. Um, as you can tell, once again, I'm, I'm still in Chicago. I, if you don't know from the last episode, uh, I've taken a, a week trip um, here to the Windy City. Uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday the 10th of November. I actually leave from Chicago, heading back to Jersey on Thursday, the 11th. Uh, My train is around like 5.45 uh, Central Time. So I will be in transit watching the Devils game against the Islanders, which will be on Thursday, um, you know, on my computer and everything like that. Um, So I won't, I won't be at home for that one either. But, uh, but yeah, I will be home. I will get home around like 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday. So it'll be a very long trip home, um, but it will cap off what has been an absolutely fantastic um, week for me here in Chicago. And again, the reason that I'm, I'm speaking very low and it sounds like that I'm not excited, I, I really am, do not get me wrong, um, is because the room that I'm staying in here in this hotel um, has a lot of uh, ambient noise, has a lot of, uh, it's very spacey in here. Um, and because the rooms are pretty close together, I'm trying to be considerate of other people um, 
that are staying here. So that's why I'm not as uh, as loud as I normally am, or that's why I didn't do my you know you know typical woo. But I promise you, I promise you, in episode 18, I'll be back doing what I normally do with my energy and everything like that. Especially if the Devils continue uh, to play like they played uh, on Tuesday night against the Florida Panthers. Um, we have a lot to talk about <clears throat> here in this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Um, there's obviously going to be some, you know, sad things that we're going to have to talk about. Going to be a lot of exciting and happy things as well. So this is you're getting you're getting the full amount of emotion coming out in this episode. Um, there's a lot from the last episode that we did to this one. And again, I want to say thank you to everybody who's been super supportive of me um, throughout the last week, dealing with my own personal stuff, and obviously also being understanding of the fact that you know I've taken a little bit of a vacation to Chicago to kind of, uh, you know, kind of help me restart. I feel a lot better. Um, I'm excited actually to, to get home and, and see my friends and also just the opportunity to go to some more Devils games because watching the game last night against the Panthers and seeing that crowd, I really do miss it. Um, but I've had a chance to watch a couple of hockey games while I've been in Chicago. I went to the Blackhawks against the Nashville Predators on Sunday. Hawks won that one two to one. And then I went to the Blackhawks Penguins game last night at the United Center, where after having a two nothing lead, the Blackhawks blew it, but then ended up winning the game in a shootout. So the Blackhawks won both of the games that uh, that I attended. I also went to the Notre Dame football game this past uh, Saturday when they beat Navy. I saw the Chicago Bulls beat the Brooklyn Nets on Monday. And I'm actually today here on Wednesday uh, tonight, I'm actually going back to United Center for the fourth straight day. I'm um, going to see the Chicago Bulls take on the Dallas Mavericks. So that'll be my last big event that I'm attending uh, this week. And like I said before, I will be on my way back from Chicago starting around um, the middle of the, the beginning of the evening um, on Thursday. So I will be back in Jersey very, very soon. But we have a bunch to talk about here, as we always do, on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. The first thing that I wanted to discuss that I didn't have a chance to talk about in the last episode, but I feel like this is as good of a time as any to talk about it. Um, we learned last week, actually back on November 1st, uh, we learned that longtime Devil's Usher and the dancing sensation at Devils games, um, Earl Laycock Jr., or as many Devils fans know him as Dancing Earl, uh, passed away at the age of 64. Um, he was a staff member with the Arena Guest Services since Prudential Center opened back in 2007. And as I mentioned before, he is known by many as Dancing Earl, the guy that, you know, often brought the fans to their feet by showing off his awesome dance moves. Um, he was located in Section 2 on that first level um and he you know you always saw him on the scoreboard he got everybody pumped up you know no matter how good or bad the team was no matter what the situation was in a game he always brought that energy that excitement and people loved watching him dance and he had some really really good dance moves he really really did um his enthusiasm infectious smile and jovial personality made him universally loved by those who befriended him at devil's games over the years. So when we found out about this, a lot of us Devils fans, even Devils fans my age, have we've all grown up seeing this man and, and 
all of us in one way or another has had the chance to meet him, say hi, maybe get a picture, have a conversation. I know some people that uh, got to know him pretty well on a personal basis. Um, it's definitely sad to see somebody like that uh, go and 64. That's very, very young. It's very unfortunate that uh, he will not be uh, with us anymore. And I remember a lot of people were saying that uh, they did notice, especially when this season started, that he wasn't there. And nobody could really figure out what the reasoning was. I think some people might have assumed that maybe, you know, he wasn't working with the team anymore. Maybe he retired. You know, what's the case? I mean, because, again, he started back in 2007. So he's worked for well over a decade um, with the Devils at the Prudential Center and everything like that. Um, but then, obviously, back on November 1st, we did find out um, what actually happened. And that was a very, very sad day. Um, it's It's been sad. Um you know, because again, he was so invaluable to the New Jersey Devils organization and Prudential Center and the fans loved him, like I mentioned, and everything like that. And it was just, um, it was really sad to hear that uh, he he passed away. And again, so young, 64 years of age, it's just, um, it's just very sad. Now, I actually came across the obituary um, that uh, the Star Ledger, I believe, um, they have a website that that shows all the obituaries of people who died. Um, uh, just to let you guys know, um, Dancing Earl's full name is Earl James Laycock Jr. Um, he was born in 1957 and he passed away November 1st, 2021. So I'm going to read to you the majority of the obituary um, and just kind of go from there. So it starts out by this. Earl James Laycock Jr. was born in Harlem, New York on October 25, 1957 to Earl Laycock Sr. and Mary R. Lewis. Earl was the eldest of two children. Earl began his primary education at PS 100 Elementary School in the South Bronx. In 1967, his family moved to East Orange, New Jersey, where he attended Stockton Elementary, George Washington Carver Middle School, and Clifford J. Scott High School. Earl became interested in and excelled at both playing the trumpet in the band and playing Pop Warner football. He continued playing football throughout high school until graduation in 1976. In 1978, Earl decided to enlist in the Army, which he actively served for four years and then spent the next 12 years as a buck sergeant, E-5 infantry foot soldier in the reserves for the National Guard. During that time, Earl played semi-pro football until receiving a foot injury. Fortunately, this injury did not prevent him from doing what he loved to do best, which was obviously dance, as he got his name, Dancing Earl. At the height of six foot two, weighing in just shy of 300 pounds, this large fella was an excellent dancer, incorporating styles such as the hustle, Chicago stepping, and freestyle dancing. 2008, Earl accepted a position with the Prudential Center within the Devils Arena, which he would unknowingly become the Devils superfan, Dancing Earl. Earl brought his infectious smile and laughter over top personality and amazing moves as he danced his way into the hearts of fans and all who had the wonderful privilege of knowing him. Earl Laycock Jr. was called home on November 1st, 2021. He is preceded in death by his father, Earl Laycock Sr. and mother, Mary R. Lewis. Earl is survived by his younger brother, Cedric Laycock, his aunt Pauline, and by his niece, who is more like a daughter, Tia Morrison Laycock, as well as a host of cousins and close friends who are considered family. So, um, and also they they mentioned, you know, where the funeral home is and everything like that when the services, but, uh, you know, out of respect for the family and, and privacy, I don't want to, I don't want to reveal that. Um, I probably will 
leave a link to this obituary uh, when I post this episode on Thursday so you guys can check it out uh, yourself. But uh, but yeah, it was like I said, it was a very, very sad day for all of us Devils fans who have gotten to know Earl. And uh, it came somewhat, I mean, in these type of situations when you don't know what's going on and you find out at the end what happened, um, it always comes as a shock. So it's really kind of a, you know, you're sad, you're surprised. And you feel bad, obviously, for the family. And, uh, you know, obviously, Devils games are never going to be the same without uh, Dancing Earl. Um, again, just a tremendous personality, a great smile. Uh, he did his job so well, and he brought so much uh, love, passion, energy, and everything you can think of positively uh, to the Devils and the fans and just the whole community. And he, he will definitely, definitely be missed. Uh, the Devils also... Uh, they actually honored Earl uh, during last night's game against the Florida Panthers, and they ended up renaming the dance cam the Dancing Earl Cam. And they also had a picture of Earl um, right over Section 2. A lot of people put flowers and everything like that, which was great. Um, and so it was just a great job by the Devils to acknowledge that. They acknowledged it on social media as well because he was just that big of a deal. He's without a doubt, he was without a doubt the biggest super fan that we've that we have in the history of this team. And for a guy to be with the organization for well over a decade, nearly a decade and a half, is a tremendous thing for him and for him to, you know, just be so um, engulfed, you know, with the fans and just being constantly loved and appreciated and just bringing the energy all the time is just a, you know, a job well done by him. So um, he will definitely be missed. Uh, it, again, Devils games are not going to be the same without him. So, uh, with that being said, uh, rest in peace uh, to Earl Laycock Jr., a.k.a. Dancing Earl. So now we're going to shift over to focusing on the Devils team themselves. And uh, we did get some news uh, back on Monday, um, which actually came, I want to say like 10, 15 minutes after I posted the episode for Monday, because I usually post episodes on Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, we got this news, I want to say around like noon uh, Eastern time. Uh, and it was about Miles Wood. And, you know, you know, you know, since, um, since the season began, you know, Miles Wood was still hurt and they described his bump, bumps and bruises and he was out day to day. And really a lot of us Devils fans were not buying it. We all kind of knew that it was something way more serious than that because when it had been over 10 games already for the season and he was still, you know, not playing and not even coming close we obviously could figure out without the devil's telling us anything that, you know, there was something very serious here, that something was wrong. And the devils, as they usually do, keep things very, very hush hush, which I know can frustrate a lot of us because we'd like for, you know, just some transparency and also just some honesty about, you know, certain players, but it's really up to Tom Fitzgerald and the Devils organization to make those decisions as to um, what they can share, what they want to share and what they don't want to share. And this is, again, why um, people have to not be so critical of, of reporters like Amanda Stein and Corey Mazzak, who can only report to us what the team tells them. They can't, you know, do their own individual, you know, digging around and, and finding stuff because they work for the team. They have to be more considerate of that so that would be the big thing i would say to people is just understand that all of this comes from the devil's making the decision to not tell us anything it's not the reporters not telling us anything because they can only tell us what they're being told to tell us 
So that's really what it is. But going back to this, we got the biggest update we could possibly get with, with Miles Wood. On Monday morning, the Devils announced that forward Miles Wood has undergone surgery on his right hip. And they put out this statement following that little piece. They said, quote, during the October 4th preseason game versus the Washington Capitals, Miles Wood suffered an injury to his right hip. After exhausting all conservative measures and in consultation with team medical providers and external specialists, Miles Wood has elected to receive surgery. Today, Miles will have surgery. Well, this was back on Monday. Uh, will have surgery performed by Dr. Brian Kelly of the Hospital for Special Surgery, and any further updates on his timeline will be provided as available. So this was somewhat of a gut punch to all of us because we know the type of player that Miles Wood is and the type of player that Miles Wood has become with the amount of energy that he brings, the physicality, the speed, everything like that. He embodies what, Ma what uh, Lindy Ruff wants this team to be, game in and game out. And he's developed so much as a leader. I mean, this is his sixth year in the NHL and, and all of them have been with the Devils and he has grown up so much uh, since he first made it into the NHL. And this was such a frustrating and sad thing to hear that his injury was, was way more significant than we were led to believe. And just based off of what the Devils said, my biggest guess is that the Devils really tried to figure out if there was some way that Miles Wood could recover and be healthy from this injury without having to get surgery. And so, like they said, after exercising every single possibility, Miles Wood made the very hard decision to decide to get surgery. And they said that he is out uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, a lot of the expectation, honestly, is that uh, there's a good chance that Miles Wood's season is done before it even gets started, that it looks like he might not play at all this season, which is very, very, very disappointing because of several reasons. Number one, like I mentioned before, all of the assets that he brings to this team, all the attributes. The other thing that I think should be uh, worth noting is that this is the final year of a four-year, $11 million contract that he signed with the Devils. If you remember during training camp a couple of years ago, he was an RFA and the Devils were trying to figure out what they were going to do with him. And during training camp, they signed Miles Wood to a four-year deal. Um, at the end of this season, Miles Wood will become a restricted free agent. Uh, and then the year after that, you know, unless he gets a long-term deal, uh, he will be an unrestricted free agent in 2023. Um, so it's tough for Miles Wood also from a, you know, career standpoint because of now, you know, where do the devils value him, you know, financially, where does the rest of the league value him financially? We had heard last year, if you remember, we had heard several rumors that a lot of contending teams were very much interested in miles wood. And there was rumors about what teams might be offering and what the devils could potentially get for him. And the devils just stood, you know, stood their ground and chose not to do it. Now, again, nobody is saying that the Devils tried to trade Miles Wood. I'm sure that they heard offers and they thought about it, but I think most likely they just kind of decided that they were not going to do this at all, that they were going to keep Miles Wood. And for all the reasons that I mentioned before and, and the reasons that, um, that uh, the Devils said before when they talked about Miles Wood. So, yeah, it's a, it's going to be a tricky situation. It's kind of tricky also um, with Jack Hughes because he's out and then he's going to need a new contract and things like that. But most likely Jack Hughes will be back playing at some point this season. With Miles Wood, we literally have no idea. 
Um, my biggest, my guess is that he probably will not play this year. I cannot see him playing this year because, you know, he's already missed, you know, more than 10 games to start the year and he has to get surgery. And then there's a recovery period. And then there's a period of him getting back on the ice and then practicing. And there's so much that goes into it that could take several months. Um, we don't have any word as to how long it really will take for Miles Wood to um, get to the point where he could start practicing and everything like that. So again, my, my assumption is that Miles Wood will not be suiting up for the Devils this year. Do I think that this is the last time that we'll see Miles Wood with the Devils? I think that there's a good chance that the Devils will keep Miles Wood and give him a new contract. I don't know exactly what they would be offering him, especially if they can't evaluate anything off of this year. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of the situation that we're in. And you knew that things were tough because that that preseason game, that was the first preseason game of the year. So Miles Wood you know, dealt with that injury. I don't remember when he got hurt or if he played the whole game, but I just remember once we got through the, the entirety of training camp that he still, you know, we hadn't seen him the rest of the preseason and that he was definitely dealing with injuries, but we didn't know at the time how significant it was. So now we know. So now we definitely know when it comes to the main guys that we have hurt, because we have Miles Wood, Jack Hughes, um, and Dougie Hamilton at the moment that are hurt. Uh, we do know for a fact Miles Wood will most likely not play at all this year. So it is definitely tough. Um, the Devils obviously have to go next man up type of mentality. Um, they did uh, bring up Tyce Thompson and Jesper Boquist. Um, they're hoping that Tyce Thompson can be similar to Miles Wood and bring that energy, you know, be that type of player. I don't know if the Devils are thinking about making a move to get somebody like a Miles Wood, um, but it is just very unfortunate that Wood will not be playing. Um, you know, soon or in the near future. So it, we'll see, we'll see. But um, at the moment, Miles Wood uh, has already gotten his surgery on his hip and he will be out for the foreseeable future. The NHL season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they like the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can pay for huge cash prices all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now let's get to some more positive stuff, shall we? Is the first 20 minutes or so of this episode has been, you know, sad and sadder and everything like that. So let's get to the game that, of course, you guys want me to talk about. And that is the Devils game against the Panthers back on Tuesday night. So the Devils were coming in, you know, finishing, you know, getting three out of a possible six points on that West Coast road trip. Uh, they were coming off a shootout victory against the San Jose Sharks to cap it off. So flying back to New Jersey and having a couple of days off, you know, that, that was a good thing. And, and it was big that the team could 
you know, fly back happy and, and, and feel relaxed. And now they begin the first of a three-game homestand with this game against Florida, then Thursday against the Islanders, and then Saturday against the Boston Bruins. So you're facing off against three really, really good teams. And the Florida Panthers, obviously one of, if not the biggest surprise in the National Hockey League going into this game, a record of 10-1-1. Um, they have just been phenomenal, even with Joe Quenville stepping down after the Kyle Beach sexual assault, um, sexual abuse scandal. Uh, the Panthers just picked up right where they left off and just continued to win games. And they've just been really, really good with arguably one of the best goaltending tandems in the NHL with a revitalized Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight, one of the most up and coming um, goaltenders in the NHL right now. I mean, this guy, this guy is the real deal in many ways. This guy, this guy um, has played well, but uh, he did not play particularly well in the previous game because the night before on Monday, the Panthers uh, were across the Hudson River at the Garden taking on the Rangers and the Panthers went down four nothing in the first period and spent the rest of the game climbing back and almost were able to come all the way back, but ended up losing in regulation four to three as the Panthers were dealt their first regulation loss of the season. So a lot of us looked at this game and said, this is going to be tough. We're not fully healthy. Miles Woods out long-term. Jack Hughes is still out. And we don't know about Dougie Hamilton. Now, when talking about Dougie Hamilton, even after the injury, he had been practicing and skating um, the last couple of days, the last week or so. So it looked pretty good. And he also was practicing on the power play. So you felt pretty good. They, I think a lot of us felt that there was a really good chance that he was going to play in this game. Even Amanda Stein tweeted out that the Devils said that they were going, that he was basically a game time decision, that they were going to have him go through warmups and then kind of go, through, go uh, from there. Well, we found out about an hour or so prior to the game starting or even warmup starting that Dougie Hamilton was not going to play at all. So he was going to be out of this game. I do believe that most likely he will be playing Thursday against the, uh, the New York Islanders. But again, it all depends on, you know, the, the legit health of Dougie Hamilton and, and how much he can really deal with. And again, we don't really know what he's dealing with either because they described it as lower body. So that's kind of the, the unfortunate thing. But um, there is some hope that Dougie Hamilton will come off the injured list and that at that point we'll only have Wood and Jack Hughes. And, and we'd like to keep it that way until Hughes can get back and, you know, we can get to almost full, full health, which would obviously um, be great. But we knew going into this game that the Panthers were going to come, come into it pissed off from the night before, and that they wanted to have a better performance. And the Devils knew that they had to be on their game right from the start, or the Panthers with the amount of speed and talent that they have, were going to hurt us. We're going to hurt us a lot. Uh, the other big story that happened for the Devils was that uh, Lindy Ruff announced that Yegor Sharangovich was going to be a healthy scratch. Um, and to me, as much as it stinks because we all love Sharangovich and what he was able to do last year, this was the right decision. He has not performed really that well at all since the season started. In 10 games, he has not scored a goal, and he's put up just three assists for a total of three points. Um, he doesn't look as confident as he did last year. There are times where he just is very hesitant. And a lot of us have been talking about what exactly is going on with Sharon Govich. Um, one thing that I actually got from uh, a friend of mine that also uh, has a source, and I'm not going to name names to keep everything confidential. Uh, but the biggest thing that I heard was that 
Um, this decision to bench Sharon Govich was just based off of him getting in the right headspace. That mentally, Sharon Govich maybe is not fully, you know, is, is being too hard on himself and not playing with the same type of, you know, relaxed confidence that he had the year before. And that, you know, benching him for a game might do him well. So we'll see what happens if Sharon Govich is in the lineup uh, for Thursday's game against the Islanders. Um, but we do need Sharon Govich to get going. He proved himself to be a top six winger last year. He was one of the better rookies in the NHL last year, really took uh, really took the lead by storm in many ways and surprised a lot of people, including everybody here within the Devils community. Um, but this year has been a complete 180. He just does not look like the same player. And that's where, you know, the, the Devils, Lindy Ruff, Sharon Govich as well, are all hoping that he can start to get himself going because we are going to need him with the talent that he has and the scoring ability that he has. We need him to get going. So the, the Devils decided to scratch him for this game. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what type of effect that has. Now, I mentioned this before, the Devils also the day before, uh, brought up Jesper Boquist and Tice Thompson. Uh, Kevin Deneen, the head coach of the Utica Comets, was the one that uh, originally told us. Um, again, Tice Thompson, the Devils expect him to be more of a guy that's bottom six that can bring that energy because if you remember, we had that great line of Miles Wood, Nate Bastion, and Michael McLeod that would just tip the scale in our favor in, in a lot of games. Now with Bastion going to Seattle, and, uh, you know, Miles would out long term, Michael McLeod's the only one left. So they're hoping that bringing a guy like Tyce Thompson, who could be more of a scrappy player and maybe an energy player as well, can do that, even if he even if he is a pretty young player like the majority of the team is. And for Jesper Boquist, I mean, this is just another one of the many opportunities that he's been given to try to prove himself as an NHL player. He had a lot of high expectations coming out of the draft and, you know, you know early on. When um, Ray Sher was the GM, uh, Boquist was our top prospect or one of our top prospects. And we were definitely hoping that he could become a top six player. And he really just hasn't seemed to find a role yet, um, but he's been given opportunities and he's still very, very young and still has a lot of talent in him. So the hope is, is that him being called up, given this opportunity, you know, he can take advantage of it and really create himself a, a, a defined role you know, do something like the way Jimmy Vesey has done so far here with the Devils, where he found a definitive role and has really done well with it since the season began. So the Devils obviously bringing up some other players who have helped Utica get off to a fantastic start. We're going to talk about them in a little bit later, but both of these guys obviously brought in and both of them got injected into the lineup right away. Like I mentioned before, the Devils were going to need everything that they possibly could against a, a a motivated Panthers team that wanted to come out with a better performance. The other thing that we noticed was that uh, number one, Alexander Holtz making his home debut at the Prudential Center. A lot of excitement there. Lindy Ruff actually put him on the top line with Nico Heischer and Pavel Zaka, which was very, very exciting. And Mercer was uh, the second line centerman. So our, you know, two of our top prospects getting, you know, top six time, which is something that we expect from them. Um, you know, in, you know, now and in the future, we expect these guys to be in those positions. So that was very, very exciting. So now let's shift to the game itself because there was so much going on, so much going on. And I mentioned this on social media and I'll mention it here as well. Um, as I told you guys, I went to uh, another Blackhawks game that night against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I actually only had time to watch the first period and then I missed um, watching live, at least I missed 
the second and third period. But I got to see a lot of stuff during Savages and play and report on stuff when I could. And then obviously I went back to the highlights and watched it uh, fully so I could get a better idea as to how this game fold, you know, unfolded the way that it did. But starting things off in the first period, the, the Panthers came out, like I mentioned before, they definitely came out with a mission to play better and get off to a better start than they did the night before against the Rangers. And they rewarded, they got rewarded for that because a couple minutes into the period, I want to say three, three and a half minutes in, um, they struck early on a wraparound goal by Sam Bennett, who was a game time decision. He had been on IR and was then listed day to day, and they weren't sure as to whether or not he was going to play, but he ended up getting into the lineup. And he scores. He took a wraparound shot. It was first stopped by Blackwood, but then Bennett got his own rebound and Blackwood was kind of in a situation where he made the save, but then he slid too far over to his right, left a little bit of an opening uh, on his left skate. And as a result, Bennett was able to squeak it through and score to give the Panthers the one nothing lead. And for Bennett, that was his fifth goal of the year. Owen Tippett got an assist. That was his fifth assist of the year. And uh, Verhage got his seventh assist of the year. And uh, a guy like Verhage has done very, very well in Florida, has gotten off to a really good start. And it does, and I'm only saying this as well because he's on one of my fantasy teams as well as Sam Bennett. So, you know, there was also some positivity from Florida scoring for me at least because, you know, it helped me in fantasy a little bit. Um, but after that goal, I would say the most of the rest of that period was relatively even. I didn't feel like either team really took full control um, until we got towards the second half of the period, I would say like the, you know, with about six minutes to go, um, the Devils got a power play with 5.52 to go in the period. And obviously we all know this with how bad the power play is. And it's actually statistically worse than it was a year ago, which is ridiculous. Um, you didn't feel very, very confident. And early on in this power play, it looked like just another typical Devils power play. We weren't really moving the puck that well. And it just looked like, all right, well, this is just wasting two minutes of, of the game doing nothing. But then the Devils got the puck in the zone late in that late in that power play. And there was a little bit of a scramble on the left side near the uh, Panthers bench, right into the Panther zone, where Severson had the puck. He lost it. Andreas Johnson... And by the way, it's Andreas Johnson. So I apologize for saying Johnson for so long and choosing not to change it. it uh, he wants to be called Andreas Johnson. So I'm going to remember to say that now, um, especially with the way he played in this game. He earned the right for me to definitely call him um, Andreas Johnson. Uh, but Johnson got the puck. He fed it over to a wide open Jesper Brad. He had so much open space. I don't know what happened there, but he takes a shot. Brad does. It's stopped by Sam Bennett, but a good job heads up play by Andreas Johnson, who was after making the pass, he, he, he skated right towards the net. He crashed the net and he was able to get the puck on a rebound and fire it home and score to tie the game up at one. And Andreas Johnson, the revenge tour continues to go on as he gets himself his fifth goal of the season, Jesper Bratt with an assist, getting his fourth assist of the year, and Damon Severson with a secondary assist, getting his third assist of the year. But most importantly, the game now is tied at one. Then exactly two minutes later, exactly two minutes later, Ty Smith, who has gotten off to a rough start here in just his second season in the NHL, he takes a shot from the far left side near the blue line and an absolutely shed's kiss, gorgeous, beautiful deflection by Nico Heischer in front is able to beat 
the goaltender, Knight, and get into the back of the net to give the Devils the two to one lead. And it's it's great to see that Nico Heischer gets on a score sheet, gets himself going. He's gotten off to a relatively slow start offensively, but it's huge that he was able to score there. Just his second goal of the year. Ty Smith getting his first point of the season on that assist. And P.K. Subban getting an assist. That was his fourth assist of the year. And that's where things stood at the end of the first period with the Devils leading 2-1. to one. Now we shift over to the second period. And... I have never seen a period with so much emotion going up and down within the first two, three minutes of a period than in this one. I mean, it was, it was hilarious to me because here's why I was at the subway station um, that's near my hotel that will take me to, you know, that will, that's where the subway is that takes me to the United center. And I was just looking on my phone, trying to keep up with the game as best as I could. And every two seconds, it felt like there was another goal scoring. I'm just like, what is going on? Like, what am I missing right now? And like I said, things picked up in a big way to start the second period. It started just 24 seconds into it where the Panthers are coming down on a rush. The first shot by a Panther player was stopped by Blackwood, but Alexander Barkov came crashing in, shot the puck on a rebound and scored to tie the game up at two. And that goal, by the way, by Alexander Barkov, uh, made him the all-time leader in goals for the Florida Panthers in their history with 189, as he officially passed their former captain and a fan favorite in Florida, Ali Jokinen. For Barkov, that was his eighth goal of the year. For Hagee, getting his second assist of the game and his eighth assist of the year. And Anthony Duclair, who has had arguably his best season so far in his career and has really, really flourished uh, in Florida, he got an assist as well. That was his fifth of the season. But the Panthers were not done yet, as just a minute five later, on a beautiful passing sequence in the offensive zone. It started with Jonathan Huberdeau passing it over to Forsling. And as Owen Tippett was crashing the net, Forsling was able to get it to him. And a beautiful tip by Owen Tippett beat Mackenzie Blackwood into the back of the net. And the Panthers regained the lead at three to two. Tippett got his third goal of the year. And both Forsling and Huberdeau each got their 10th assist of the season. So at this point, you're kind of feeling like, okay, this is where the Panthers just kind of take over and the Devils, you know, this is, they're not going to, they're not going to come back from this and we're going to end up losing this game. I mean, and I hate saying it that way, but considering how things have gone in years past and, and even in some games this year, it's it, it just, you get kind of used to it. You get kind of used to those situations and it was frustrating and you could see, you know, just how talented Florida really is and what type of plays they can really make um, when they get them, when they get things going. However, just 29 seconds later, Andreas Johnson scores his second goal of the game as the Devils came into the zone on a three-on-two. Mercer tried to make a pass that was blocked by the skate of a Panthers defenseman. Mercer got it right back, fed it over to Janssen, and he was able to take a shot that goes right under the right arm of Knight and into the back of the net to tie the game up again, this time at three-to-three. Three. And Andreas Johnson just getting more and more confident with every game, every goal. He's just been phenomenal since the season started, getting his sixth goal of the season. Dawson Mercer continuing to get off to a great start in his rookie year, getting himself his third assist of the season. And Ty Smith getting himself his second point of the game, his second assist of the game, his second assist of the season. And so, 
again, just three minutes or so, two and a half, three minutes into this period, we've already had three goals and now it's three to three. And then I would say for the most part, things kind of calmed down after that, like both teams kind of settled in defensively, realizing that this was going to be, at least at the time, it was going to be a dogfight to the end that both teams were trying to you know, correct themselves defensively and try to create more opportunities going the other way. But then we go all the way towards the end of this period, about a minute 45 to go in the period. Devils have the puck in the ozone. Dawson Mercer on the right side. He feeds it over to P.K. Subban at the top of the point, and he takes a one-time slap shot that beats Knight and into the back of the net. And the Devils are able to regain the lead again. And it's P.K. Subban, who so many times we've seen him take that slap shot and either whiff at it, whiff at it, or the stick breaks. And I've talked about before how incredibly frustrating that is. But in this case, he got all of it. It hit off of a Panthers arm or skate. Either way, it redirected and beat Knight. And the Devils got the lead back. Subban getting his first goal of the year. Dawson Mercer with his second assist of the game. His fourth assist of the year. And Jonas Siegenthaler getting his first point and first assist of the season. Got an assist on that one. And that's where things stood at the end of two periods with the Devils now leading four to three. And what was so important, and I've talked about it many times when I broadcast the hockey games and I've talked about it here on the podcast is this, when you get a goal within the last two minutes of the first and second periods, you create so much momentum for yourself going into the next period of play. Because now, instead of, from the Panthers' psyche, instead of it being 3-3 and it's a, you know, it's anybody's game to, oh my goodness, we just gave up a late goal. That's a back-breaking type of goal. Now we have to find a way to get more than one goal to regain the lead. This is going to be, this is going to be tough, especially when you're on the road. And now, as we head into the third period, the Devils made it a mission that they weren't going to sit back like they normally do and just try to protect the lead, that they were going to come out, they were going to be aggressive, they were going to dictate the pace and just, you know, take the Panthers game and basically shove it right back in their face. And um, about three minutes into the period, the Devils are on another power play. And so far, you know, even though they did score one, that the power play for the most part still looked a little bit lackluster. But... And, and on this power play for three quarters of it, it looked like, again, another tip, typical Devils power play. But with 30 seconds left in it, the Devils come down into the offensive zone. Alexander Holtz makes a great pass to Nico in the slot. And Nico, whether he meant to or not, got the puck over to Pavel Zaka, who took a shot that was originally stopped by Knight. Zaka got the puck back and actually redirected it off the back skate of Knight. And it went into the net. And the Devils were able to get themselves another goal to make this now five to three. And the biggest part of that, Alexander Holtz, a guy, you know, in just his in just his third game in the NHL, gets himself his first point of his NHL career with a secondary assist. And talking about Holtz, you can see the confidence in every game that he's played. He's had a lot of really good shots. This was by far overall his best game so far of his career. And right, it's just his third career game. But he was looking super confident. He had a couple of really good chances. He had a couple of good shots on goal. It's just a matter of time before he scores. I wouldn't be surprised when the next two, you know, one or two games he scores um, because this kid loves to shoot the puck. And the coaching staff has told him as much as possible, shoot the puck because we know what type of uh, offensive capabilities that Alexander Holtz really has. And he scored a couple of times in the preseason and we know what he can do. 
And just seeing the confidence from a kid who has played just three games in the NHL so far, this kid is matured beyond his years from a playing standpoint, and it's really, really exciting to see. But for Pavel Zaka, he was able to get himself his sixth goal of the year, which is tied now with Andreas Johnson for the team lead. Uh, Nico Heischer with his second point, his first assist of the game, getting his fifth assist of the season. And obviously, Alexander Holtz with his first NHL point, he got the secondary assist on that. But just 29 seconds later, Ty Smith takes a shot from the far left side that kind of floated in the air a little bit, and it might have hit off a Panther or something, but it took a shot through a screen, and it ended up in the back of the net. And the Devils continued to pour it on, making it 6-3. to three. And Ty Smith, with arguably one of his best games of his still very young career in the, in the NHL, and certainly his best game by far so far this season, got himself his first goal of the year and his third point of the night. Tomas Tatar got an assist his fourth of the year and Jesper Boquist, his first appearance of this season, getting himself his first point, getting the secondary assist on that one. And the Devils from that point on just fired shot after shot. They had a couple other power plays. I think they had four or five in total. Um, and there was another one on the fourth power play where P.K. Subban got a nice pass at the top of the point. He took a shot. It beat Knight but it hit the post. And that was the most confident I had seen P.K. Subban since he got here to New Jersey. I mean, this he looked really, really good from start to finish, both on the offensive side and on the defensive side for the most part. Um, but the Devils just were just, you know, just blitzing Knight with shot after shot after shot. And remember, Knight is still a pretty young goaltender. This is his first full season in the league. And up until uh, the game against the Rangers, he had been playing very, very well. He had been very, very hard to beat, but both the Rangers and more particularly the Devils have been able to find some holes and you know score some goals on him, score a lot of goals on him, which is great, which is obviously great from a confidence standpoint from the Devils' perspective. But the Devils looked really, really good on the power play. This was by far one of the best power play games the Devils have played in such a long time. It, it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but they didn't score in that one. But eventually, the Devils would add another goal with 3.49 to go in the game as the Panthers, for some odd reason, decided to pull their goaltender. I don't really understand why. But Jimmy Vesey, who continues to play very, very well in his defined role with this team, scored from three quarters of the ice to score an empty net goal. I, I don't remember us scoring this many empty net goals in the season. I, I don't know how to feel about this. This is crazy. Like, he, he didn't just dump it in. He took a shot from three quarters of the way and it went right down the middle into the net. I mean, it was a phenomenal shot. And the fact that we scored an empty net goal is a revelation in itself. Like that's how crazy this is. And VZ getting that empty net goal, that was his third of the year. And Jonas Siegenthaler getting his second point of the game, getting the lone assist on that one. And that is where the game ended as the Devils with one of their most decisive victories, um, certainly the most decisive victory this year, and one of the most in most recent memory, win this one by the score of seven to three against one of the best teams in the NHL. And that is a huge, huge confidence builder for a team that has still been dealing with injuries to some of their main players and just guys stepping up and a lot of guys producing a lot of goals, a lot of points. And it's great to see. With the win, the Devils moved to 6-3-2. and two. With the loss, the Panthers have now dropped back-to-back -back regulation games they dropped to 10 to one. I mean, they're still far and away one of the better teams, but this was by far one of their worst performances. And I think if you're a Panthers fan, you look at him and you say, 
Well, certainly against the Rangers, that was one of our worst performances. The very next day, you have an even worse performance, and you've given up a total of 11 goals through two games. And we'll see if that's the type of if that's the type of play that's going to put the Panthers in a situation where maybe they start to decline, or can they just scrap those and move forward? But on the Devils' perspective, a massive victory, massive victory to open up this homestand, absolutely massive. Uh, six, uh, 13 different players on the Devils had at least one point. That is phenomenal. A little more than half of the team, or about, yeah, a little bit more than half the team, uh, got themselves at least one point in this game, which is great. That is what you call a team effort. Six players on the Devils had two or more points. Andreas Johnson with two goals. Nico Hesha with a goal and an assist. Dawson Mercer had two assists. Ty Smith with a goal and two assists. And also, this was from the NHL's public relations Twitter. They post this. Uh, Ty Smith, 21 years of age, 230 days, has one goal, two assists, three uh, points tonight, and is the youngest Devils defenseman to record a three-point game since 20-year-old Scott Niedemeyer on January 24th, 1994, where Niedemeyer had two goals and one assist. So that's pretty good company. As a Devils defenseman, that's pretty good company uh, to be with. So Ty Smith having arguably his best game of his young career, and hopefully with that type of performance, Smith can now finally start to get going and play the way he was playing last year with that confidence. And I'm sure he's going to be going into the game against the Islanders with way more confidence, as uh, as well the rest of this team. Uh, Jonas Siegenthaler had two assists, and P.K. Subban had a goal and an assist. Mackenzie Blackwood getting himself his first victory of the year. I mean, honestly, when I look at the goals that he gave up, uh, I would say the only one that I think he probably should have stopped was maybe the first one on the rebound on the wraparound there. But other than that, he, after giving up those three goals, he shut it down. He really, really made some good saves uh, when he had to. And uh, he looked like the Mackenzie Blackwood of old, which is, which is what we really, really want to say. Um, the next game, obviously, is going to be this Thursday at home against the Islanders. An Islanders team that's about two points, I believe, at the time of this recording uh, behind us in the standings. An opportunity for us to kind of, uh, you know, separate us a little bit from an Islanders team that obviously has championship aspirations, but has gotten off to a slow start. They still have really solid defense. Some former Devils, obviously. Um, their goaltending has continuously been, you know, really, really good with Sorokin and Varlamov. Um, it's going to be a tough game. But the Devils coming off this victory should have a lot of confidence going into that one. And if they can play like this, I know it's going to be hard, but if they can play like this throughout the rest of the season, th this is going to be a really, really exciting rest of the season for us to watch. And I hope that we can uh, continue to see them play this way. And the Devils uh, posted um, Lindy Ruff talking to the team in the locker room after the game. And, you know, the last thing that uh, he said on the video uh, Lindy Ruff, he said, let's duplicate this performance. And that's exactly what we want. We want to see more games like this where we're scoring, where, where everybody's playing well. Goaltending's been solid. Defense's been solid. The penalty kill was perfect. The power play was sensational. We scored two power play goals. We, it, this just proves that this team is capable of doing these things when they, get, when they get themselves rolling, when they have confidence. Now that they're building confidence like this, this is exactly what we want to see. And I want to see more of this moving forward. So an overall tremendous team victory against one of the best teams in the NHL. We were on ESPN Plus, which, by the way, that broadcast was horrible, and I'm tired of ESPN Plus um, other than Bucciagross and Ferraro. I just, I, I just want to go back to MSG. I just want to go back to Kanji and Dano. I really, 
I'm hoping that we're not in ESPN plus anytime soon. Um, you know, just let's just move on from that. But great victory. And now let's see if the Devils can build off that and try to go for a third straight victory on Thursday against the Islanders. Now, the last thing that I wanted to do, because I've done this, you know, I, I've talked about that I, I do this as much as I can. I do prospect and also, um, you know, minor league updates for you guys. And the Utica comments have given me a lot of reason to talk about them in a lot of positive and also funny ways. I mean, this has been a very, very fun season so far for the Utica comments in their first year back as the Devils uh, AHL affiliate. The Utica comments are currently 7-0-0 and in first place in the North Division of the AHL. They are now the only undefeated team left in the American Hockey League. They have been playing absolutely phenomenal since the season started. Their most recent victory was back on Sunday against Laval Rocket, which is the Montreal Canadiens AHL affiliate at Utica, winning the game 4-2. to two. Chase DeLeo, who um, signed... Uh, a free agent contract with the Devils in the offseason and then uh, was sent down uh, when training camp ended. He leads the team currently in points. He has one goal, but 11 assists for 12 points. And the goaltending tandem of Akira Schmid and Nico Dawes, who are our top two goaltending prospects right now, have been phenomenal. Akira Schmid, 3-0-0 with a 0.953 save percentage and a 1.31 goals against average. And Nico Dawes, who we saw earlier, got his first NHL win and has shown a lot of promise. He is 4-0-0 with a 0.933 save percentage and a 2.26 goals against average. So the Utica Comets just continue to dominate. And this is great because no disrespect to Binghamton or anything like that, but we never saw Binghamton other than Binghamton, excuse me. We never saw them except towards the end of the 1920 season, uh, just before COVID hit, um, we haven't seen the, the, our AHL team have a lot of success and show a lot of promise. With Kevin Dean, the head coach, and a lot of still young players that have yet to play in the NHL and you know are part of our deep prospect pool, this is great to say. I mean, this is absolutely phenomenal. I've talked to you guys before about you know how big I am on Akira Schmid. I'm also very big on Nico Dawes as well. But seeing Schmid finally playing professional hockey and getting off to the start that he's getting off to is tremendous. You got to give a lot of credit to Kevin Deneen, uh, Sergey Breland, and the entire coaching staff for, for doing this, but you got, it's not about how you start. It's how you finish. The devil's got to, the comments, excuse me, got to continue to play this way. I mean, they're already three wins away from getting their first 10 of the year. Um, and we will see if they can continue to keep this up because that would be really, really awesome. The comments next game is also, on Thursday, as they're at home against the Tampa Lightning's AHL affiliate team, the Syracuse Crunch. But another thing happened that involved the uh, Utica Comets that some people consider to be inappropriate. Other people, like myself, consider it to be more fun and funny in a way. Um, the Utica Comets social social media team, particularly their Twitter account, got into some drama in that game against Laval Rocket. Uh, after the first period of that game, and I saw this when they first tweeted it, which was kind of like a holy moly, I can't believe they just tweeted this. Uh, the comments Twitter posted a tweet that to some mocked Cole Caulfield, the uh, Montreal Canadiens top 
uh, prospect who you know came into the NHL last year and and was phenomenal in the playoffs and you know they they called him a goal Caulfield for a while and he was part of the same draft year as Jack Hughes and people were saying that oh the Devils should have taken Cole Caulfield and not Jack Hughes we heard all this obviously you know we, we saw it um, but Cole Caulfield got off to a really slow start this year in Montreal and as a result uh, last week or a week and change ago he got sent down to Laval Rocket. And, it, and that was just his second game uh, since he got sent down, which obviously came as somewhat of a surprise to a lot of people. Uh, but Cole Caulfield has definitely been um, criticized, to say the least, uh, for this. Uh, so of the Montreal Canadiens. But again, he's still a very young player. So we got to give him some time. We got to, you know, chill out. It's just like with Jack Hughes and, and other players who don't, you know, blossom right away. You know, you got to give these guys a fair chance to develop their game. So let's just, and the advantage that Cole Caulfield has, by the way, is that he played in the playoffs in the Stanley Cup final and had a lot of success. So this kid's confidence is not terribly low right now. He will get back up to the NHL relatively soon. I think the Canadians just want to give him, uh, you know, 10, 10 to 15 games to get himself going again. And then eventually they'll bring him back up. I would be surprised if he wasn't on the team on the Canadians by the end of this season. I think he will play, you know, the majority of the season uh, when he gets back up um, in Montreal. But again, going back to this tweet, a lot of people consider it to, uh, you know, basically mock Cole Caulfield's lack of on-ice presence, sarcastically asking if the 20-year-old played in the first period. And this is exactly what the tweet read. This is exactly what it read. It said, yo, at Cole Caulfield, are you here? Everyone keeps saying you're here, but we haven't noticed. Did you play the first period? And that was like one of those, like, you know, you know, they say like, you know, they don't miss. Like, this was kind of like a, whoa, like this is, this is a minor league hockey team's Twitter account, by the way. And, and also whoever is in charge of the comments Twitter account has been awesome. Just like the devils. I mean, they're not afraid to also say what they want to you know, say. And I guess that's where the confidence comes from, from the fact that the team is playing so well. Um, but this tweet clearly upset Habs fans. Most particularly, it pissed off Paul Caulfield, Caulfield which is uh, Cole Caulfield's father. And he actually had some words to say about it. Um, that um, he said, I think it was like on a local radio station or something like that. Uh, this was the full uh, quote that, um, that hit, Cole Caulfield's father said, he said, quote, I see this thing to my kid from a professional hockey team uh, bullying him. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, is that a fake account or something? They didn't just say it. They sent it to my kid. When professional sports teams do something like that, I think someone should be held accountable with all the mental health issues the NHL is having. Now you have an AHL team doing this stuff, question mark. There are a lot of pressures playing professional hockey. And you have a kid who is up in the NHL and struggling and he gets sent down. Um, as a 20 year old kid, your mind is all over the map. He doesn't need another professional sports team jabbing at him like that. That's bad. Now, to be fair, the Utica comments tweeted out later on that they were just joking, that they were not doing this with any sort of, um, you know, any sort of, you know, intent, uh, to hurt him in any way, shape or form. The comments actually ended up deleting that tweet, even though people have screenshotted it and it's going to be there forever. Um, and I know that some people have said, well, if, if it was a joke, why did the comments delete that? Well, I think a lot of time, I think the comments, Twitter account, you know, whoever's in charge of it, I think they realized that that was a little bit, that you can make an argument that it was a little bit harsh, um, especially because you tweeted right at Cole Caulfield. If you had just said Cole Caulfield, I don't know if it would have gotten as much 
traction or maybe it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. Um, but again, they also tweeted out the comments that they said, look, we know how good Cole Caulfield is. Like he really, really is good. And interestingly enough, Caulfield did get an assist on one of the two goals that uh, Laval Rocket scored in that 4-2 loss to the Utica Comets. Um, but uh, according to TSN's Darren Dreger, the, uh, the AHL, the league, they spoke to the YouTube comments social media team to tell them these kind of tweets aren't appropriate. Um, so my whole opinion of this is that I consider this a little bit more of a friendly banter, but at the same time, I do understand where, um, you know, Paul Caulfield's uh, opinion is coming from. Like, I, I get it. it. First of all, it's his son, and nobody wants to see their son or daughter or, or their child at all getting bullied, you know, or, or getting abused by other people. Nobody likes to see that. Um, and he's right. You know, a 20-year-old kid, you know, he's, he's, he's not fully developed mentally. You know, it, it could really affect him. I don't know how Cole Caulfield feels about it. I know a lot of people have said that, uh, you know, facially, Caulfield has been really just upset with the fact that he's gotten up to such a slow start and that he's not, um, he's not with the Montreal Canadiens. He got sent down and everything like that after just a phenomenal you know, rookie year for the most part, um, you know, last year. Uh, so I do definitely sympathize with all that. And yes, like, I do feel like that maybe it was a little bit too much. Um, obviously they did delete the tweet, but it, it's going to, people have screenshots. It's not going to go away. Um, I do give the, uh, the Utica comments credit for also tweeting out that it was a joke and that, you know, they respect Cole Caulfield and everything like that. I would like to know how Cole Caulfield feels about it. Um, but at the same time, I also consider it being like, it's a little bit of friendly banter. I don't know what the social media team is going to be like moving forward with the Utica comments. So at the end of the day, I'm on, I'm on both sides of this. On one, on one side, I think it is funny. And I think a lot of people would get a kick out of it. On the other hand, I can also understand how it can be um, insulting and uh, inappropriate uh, to do something like that, especially on social media with how big social media is. So it kind of goes both ways. I hope that Cole Caulfield didn't take it personally. Um, I understood if he did. Um, and I do hope that, uh, you know, these type of things don't necessarily happen. Or if they do, they could be a little bit more, you know, you know, make it more obvious that they're joking so that it's not a big deal. Because um, it's one thing if you're like joking with another social media team and you're making statements, but when you're, you know, actually tweeting at a player and doing like that, which I've never seen before, um, it could definitely be a difficult spot to be in, especially with how sensitive a lot of things are nowadays uh, with social media. So that was kind of the craziness. So through all of that, the Utica comments are 7-0, looking to make it 8-0 uh, when they take on the Syracuse Crunch on Thursday. And uh, yeah, as you can see, there's, um, there was a lot to talk about, uh, a lot of positive, obviously some sadness uh, with, with losing um, losing Dancing Earl. And definitely that victory for the Devils was for Earl. And I said it on Twitter and on Instagram, and I'll say it here. Uh, he's smiling down you know, from, from up, up above uh, in appreciation for how well the Devils played uh, for him and got him that win. So, uh, you know, I would say this, I'm going to dedicate the rest of the Devil's State of Mind podcast season to Dancing Earl um, and uh, may he rest in peace. But, uh, but yeah, a lot of exciting things going on with the Devils and also their minor league teams. And hopefully this, both teams can build upon that and continue to win games and really get us going here as this is such a critical year for not only the for not only the New Jersey Devils, but also the Utica Comets.